Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about sleep consulting. And to do that, I have brought on an expert in this field, Summer Hartman. Hello, Summer. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so appreciative of being allowed to come on and share my stories and help others out. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Yeah, Summer's Sleep Secrets. I can't wait to know (laughs) some of them. Um, Yeah, I give it it all away. I love it. I love it. And I mean, sleep is so important and it's such a big part of even like our nanny day. Um, So I'm excited to talk about it. But before we do that, I would love to hear your nanny journey. You know, I started out as a nanny in 1996. I worked for White House staff and I was real high profile starting right out of the gate at 18 years old. And so I, that's my journey. I mean, I had been taking care of children, honestly, since I was 12 years old. I actually had um, a a dentist that was a family friend who, who hired me and I raised all three of their children since 12 to about 18. Um, so our journey as nannies starts really young, usually for all of yeah. us. And professionally at 18, once I was out of school, I was hired straight out of school and actually had to finish school, um, homeschooled because they wanted me sooner than I could graduate. So sometimes wow. we have to, you know, we start out and then we go, we run with it. So that was, that was my first experience uh, in the nanny industry. So that's awesome. And yeah, you were in high demand right from the jump. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, eventually you started to dabble in uh, newborn care specialists and sleep consulting. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about that. So I ended up getting married around 20 and 21 and had my own children. And I did babysitting and nannying and a little bartending in between all of that. <laughs> And uh, around um, when my kids were about five, six years old, I moved to Arizona from Cincinnati, Ohio, and realized uh, once I got here, I needed a job. Like I Mm -hmm. thought my husband's income would cover us and it didn't work out. So I answered an ad for a baby nurse or NCS is what was labeled on Craigslist and uh, went on an interview with the agency and was hired the next day to work. And so my career from zero to, to everything was like in one day. So I started working as a newborn care specialist on a Friday night and uh, in 2007 in August of 2007 and uh, worked seven nights, almost a solid 14 years. Wow. It's been a very long journey of like in demand. Like once you start working as an NCS, it's just, it just keeps going, keeps going because people refer and refer. So it's been amazing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. I love that you're just like, and then I did this and then I started the next day. <laughs> That's awesome. It really is how it happened. And it's funny. It was actually, um, I got to shadow somebody in the job, which I think is very important. And I was happy that the person let us shadow. And when I took over for her, like a couple nights later, I have a funny story with the miracle blanket. If you've ever looked at the miracle blanket, well, for somebody like me who had never been in NCS before or had a baby in a long time, I was like, what in the heck is this blanket? So the person, the mom showed me how to use it. Well, at 3 a.m. she wakes up and I'm like, okay, I've got this. I take her out of the blanket and in the dark trying to figure out how to wrap her again. And I had her semi like ready to go back to sleep. Nope. I had to turn all the lights on. Oh, no. I literally had to practice on her for like five times. Finally, I got it on her and she just stared at me the whole time. Like, 
what are you just three months old, like what are you doing I'm like I don't even know what I'm doing with this blanket and so there are moments in this career where you're just like uh what am I doing what how am I doing this and this poor kid has to be up with me so ended up rocking her back to sleep because I was like what else am I gonna do I, I had no clue how to sleep train at that point I had no clue how to do anything <laughs> so that was kind of my first beginning of why did I even do this and then I loved it because it was a lesson learned, you know, we all have those kind of things that happen on the job. <laughs> yes. Yes. And a uh, miracle blanket. I actually have never interacted with the miracle blanket, but it sounds like it's a miracle once you learn how to use it. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a wrap and it's like, you have to put their arms, you have to put their arms like down, hold it down, lift their bottom, pick it up, pick it up and put it behind. And then you have to wrap, wrap, wrap. And it's like, it's a great blanket. I've used it for years, but yeah, you have to like learn it. So now in my classes, I tell people practice on a doll. So you never have that problem. I had. Yes. Yes. Learn from my mistakes. I love it. Well, let's start talking about sleep and, uh, you know, how we can help foster the best sleep for our little ones. So a lot of times as nannies, we're called in usually not right away. Usually sometimes there's like an, a newborn care specialist that comes in before us and then we take over, you know, after a month or two, a couple months. But um, I'm curious for maybe the nanny who um, is already there and there isn't a newborn care specialist and like as a sibling is born. How yeah. can nannies help their nanny family with that sleep schedule and sleep in general? Oh my gosh. It's so important. You're, you know, as a nanny, you're so critical. Like you are needed. You're in the front lines. So NCSs were the front lines of the overnight. You're the front lines in the day. So what I like to teach nannies is that, you know, honestly, a routine, which most of us are really good with, mm-hmm. um, parents also need structure, which a career nanny can usually give structure, but sometimes when we're young and we're coming in, they view us as just the nanny or the help. So it's hard to give instructions because that's not what they hired us for. But if I was going to go in on an interview, I'd be like, this is what I do. This is how I do it. Um, I would start out the gate on an interview as an instructor versus versus being told what to do. Um, So if you have a newborn coming in, do your research. Um, one of the biggest things is, is getting mom comfortable feeding the baby every three hours or every two and a half, three hours. Get them on a good feeding schedule. Make sure they're growing. Swaddle, learn how to swaddle. And um, and then naturally the pattern of sleep just starts to happen. So the first like four weeks is baby's going to be sleeping from you know, up to eat, and then they're up for maybe 30 minutes, and then they're back down to nap for two hours. So, you know, that first month is just eat pretty much play for a few seconds and then back down again. And that that just kind of goes in the pattern. Now, what happens with a lot of parents and nannies too, is that they think that newborn stage stays a little too long, and they start napping too much during the day, which hurts the NCS at night, because the NCS is trying to get them to sleep through the night. So we have too much sleep during the day. So you have to wake them up and kind of see their pattern be a little bit different during the day. So if they're up about an hour and 15 minutes by six weeks old, and then they're down for an hour and 45 minute nap. So you kind of like have this nice little pattern that starts to develop. And if you can nurture that as the nanny, then the 24 hour shift, even if mom and dad have the nights, the baby will start sleeping naturally longer at night. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have read in the past about like the fourth trimester of like the idea that, you know, the baby was usually sleeping during the day because the mom was like walking around and that's like this natural like rocking motion Mm -hmm. for the baby. And then um, at night the mom is still. And so they're like, party. Um, (laughs) So so I'm curious about like that. pattern with what you're talking about of like creating that schedule of what if you have a baby that's like holding on to those night party times so it's called um night night and day confusion Mm -hmm. so basically what happens is that the children 
wake up in the womb at night because there is no movement. They aren't being rocked to sleep. So they have a complete opposite schedule when they're born. So you have to, the, the key to doing that is showing them light and day. So go and take them outside or next to a window so that they see daylight, um, wake them up to feed every three hours. And then at night, it's all business. It's no talking. It's in the dark. It's, you know, they're fed, they're put back to sleep. So, you know, it's a, it, it takes about a month given, you know, to start teaching a baby this pattern. But once they get it, then you start seeing their, their eyes start being more open. They're more alert. And then it's like, I have a lot of clients I hear that say, and these are just parent clients that say, oh, my baby doesn't sleep during the day. They're, they're awake all the time. Babies shouldn't be awake all the time. We have to nurture their patterns and nurture their sleep. So if they're awake all the time, we have even a more difficult problem. So I would say the nanny's role is key to seeing these patterns. And if you can teach the parents and they see that your expertise is like showing and, and this type of sleep pattern and support, you're going to be in high demand. So yeah, yeah, totally. And I love what you said about that, you know, get them outside piece or like at least get them to the window. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I have seen that <laughs> be so true. Um, even, you know, older kids, like making sure that they get outside, like helps with nap, it helps with bedtime. So I'm told, you know, like everything yep. seems to go better when they can get that sunlight during the day air and sunlight yeah when I was a nanny years ago I had twin uh, five week olds and so that's when I started I was 21 I just got married but when I had them um it was really key for me to take them out so every day I did the same pattern like I had a really strict routine with them so even at five weeks old we had them eating sleeping that was the first steps and then as they aged over the first couple years that I was with them um you know, every day we went out and played at four to five. We went outside. It didn't matter if it was cold. I made sure they ran that backyard. I was like, dudes, you run. Like <laughs> they were 16 months old and running up and down the hill in the backyard. Um, I take them on stroller walks, you know, if it was too cold and bundle them up. But they always had that air, the fresh air. And I did that with my own kids when I had them. It's just so, it's so important to have fresh air. It is. And it's important for us too, right? As nannies and, and yeah. parents and stuff, you know, encouraging the parents on the weekends, like make sure you're also getting outside um, as much as you can, or, you know, when it's warmer going for like night strolls and things mm-hmm. like that. So, um, or evening strolls, but um, yeah, I love all of that. So in the opening example that I gave of like, you're a nanny for a family and there is an older kid already, and this is a younger sibling coming in. What are some things to look out for with that older sibling and sleep as, you know, the, the young one comes in and like kind of throws everything up in the air? Yeah. So, so the important thing is, is to include the older child in the, in the sibling's life. So Whenever I had a newborn with a toddler, um, the toddler was in charge. And literally, I told them that they were in charge of their brother or sister. I said, um, they're your responsibility. And so what I need from you is to go get the diapers. And then they go get me the wipes. And then they'd pick out the clothes. And I'd be like, did you do what you're supposed to do? They're your responsibility. Did you get the, and uh-huh, uh-huh. And it really gave, like, they never had a problem with their sibling. They always made sure that they took care of their brother or sister. And uh, honestly, that's one of the best tricks you can ever do is to include that sibling in the care of that baby, because for the rest of their life, they'll always be responsible for their sibling and help help them. Yeah, that's a really good strategy. I love that um, so much. And yeah, I've seen that happen with siblings. And so if the, because I've been with families where then, the nap schedule for the toddler gets moved around a little bit to like complement the nap schedule of the baby as well. Um, what oh, age oh. are you thinking of that? Cause like typically, you know, by six months old with the, with the baby and then the toddler is like two, two and a half, maybe yeah, three. That's what I was thinking. Let's, let's say they're like two and a half. So they're still taking an afternoon nap right? So from like one to four is like that window of opportunity. We want them to take a nice long nap. I foster that idea all the time. I'm like, please get that kid down. 
So the baby at six months is usually down to like a two, three, four schedule where it's up two hours, down for an hour and a half nap, up three hours, down for a two hour nap. That's my goal. So it ends up falling right when the toddler goes down. So you have that nice stretch in the afternoon where you have, you can just do laundry, clean the house, whatever, pick up, relax while the kids are sleeping. And I really foster that for that age group, that section. Now, if they're under that, babies are going to have three naps. Right. So it should still fall in place. You just you should still have a window where you're resting. And as a nanny, I don't, you know, when I actually, when I nannied and I was a professional nanny, I told my clients, if the kids are napping, I'm going to nap. I'm tired. You have me working 12 hour shifts. Sorry, but this is what I'm going to do. Like I was very bossy from the moment that I started in this industry. It has never ended. So I love <laughs> I that. I would always say, okay, what would you like me to do? And then I'd be like, well, I'm going to do this and I will follow your pattern as much as possible. This is to the parents, right? <laughs> I'd be like, I will do what you want me to do. But during this time is when I'm taking a downtime with the kids. So yeah, I was, I, I had to, I think as nannies were so tired and wore out. Yes. Yeah. Especially with those really long shifts. I completely agree yeah. when, and I, I have, a couple of different episodes about the importance of like taking a break during your nanny day and like yeah. designating a time where you're like, I'm going to sit down. Um, and but actually tell the, clients, tell the clients, cause if you take that downtime and they see it on camera, you will be fired faster than anything. So if you are up front and say, this is exactly what I do. This is my day from 9 PM or 9 AM to 9 PM. This is what I'm doing. Then they have nothing to say. Cause they approved it. Right. Right. Yes. Be, be communicative about it. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that is so incredibly important because we can't pour from an empty cup and all of that. So, um, yeah, if you are, if you are working those really long shifts, um, or even if you're not like I have times where, (laughs) yeah, it's, yeah. It, if you're working only a two hour shift, uh, yeah, do right. not. Yeah. But if you're working an eight hour shift, which is like five to your eight to five, then yes, we're going to have some areas where we're going to sit, you know, and I'll read my book or, you know, I try to avoid TV just because I actually don't like TV personally. Yeah. My husband loves TV. I don't. So, you know, <laughs> but I would read a book. And so it's like the parents said, oh, you're looking at your phone. It's like, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm reading a book. Right. You know, and you are welcome to look at it. Here you go. Um, you know, just really big on open communication with our clients because not sharing too much information about ourselves, but giving enough information, they understand what our day is like is really important. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that sleep training. When should we start? Like when, how, what are your recommendations around sleep training? I want to know. (laughs) Sleep training is okay. So to be, and you guys are all professional. You guys who are listening to this are professional. You know, sleep training is from the very beginning. Like it's just a word. Training is training, but we call it in the NCS world, sleep shaping because it's a softer approach and parents don't get all worked up about it, but we always know that the word shaping is training. So we start from the very beginning, moving babies, nighttime shift, longer and longer stretches. Um, So they're sleeping longer stretches and then eating two times a night, then one time a night, then no time, they're sleeping through the night. So I say, if you're going to sleep train, we don't start till about four months of age. If you're going to go in the home and start sleep training, because the babies at that point are actually transitioning. People call it a regression. I do not cover. I hate the word regression. I don't like negativity. So I focus on it being a transition period. Mm -hmm. And what happens at four months is they're much more aware they're out of the swaddle or should be, they're fighting the swaddle. They want out. They want, they need to be worked on for rolling. The nanny's role during the day is so important because you have to teach that baby how to roll, how to be on their tummy, how to work their and exercise their little body so that they're tired for those naps and they're sleeping good quality nights. So sleep training is all the time. But if you're going to be going in and working with a family, it would be starting at four months with that title. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then when you're saying like sleep shaping and gentler approach, um, what is, what is your, um, best recommendation about like, 
how to, you know, when they're crying in the crib and like the, all of their needs are met, like what, yeah. what is your recommendation around that? As long as they're well-fed, they're, they're no reflux or colic issues or they're handled, at least the reflux and colic is managed. Um, and they have a clean diaper, everything is in place and the parents allow some fussing depending upon the age, like if it's three months, four months, uh, or even younger, it's usually between five and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's because you're waiting to see if they're going to go back to sleep on their own. And if they're not, you go in, you pick up, you shush, pat, put them right back down and you have this pattern. And if you teach them to be put right back down and you teach the clients to do this too, then the babies don't get used to being rocked or held. So it's all about what you teach them. I mean, babies are literally easy. They're easy to, to mold and create a pattern. Um, and most adults are the ones that wreck the pattern. Like we, we make those. So how you respond to them is how they'll react. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I've done the like, I, I've done that with the five to 10 minutes and the I can't remember it because my, my nanny family really wanted me to do this particular style of like sleep waves or something. It was like, yeah, yeah, we were supposed to like slowly go out of the room or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, with my current nanny family, I usually will shoot a text because they're still work from home. Uh, and it's, he's, fine now. But when I first started, I would shoot a text and be like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give him five minutes. Like, let me know if you're on a meeting and that's not possible right now, but, um, you know, I'm going to give him five minutes or I'm going to give him 10 minutes when he got older, um, to see if he can settle and then I'll go in and they would always, you know, they'll just text back like, Ooh, I actually have a meeting in five minutes. Can you, whatever. So we make it work, (laughs) make it work. You adjust to the family and most people are working from home now. It feels like, so you you have to come. And honestly, as, as nannies, I, I know, I know what it's like to sit on pins and needles and worry about what the client's thinking, because you're like, Oh, I'm, are they mad at me? Or (sighs) I'm, you get so uncomfortable. And it's like, it's, and honestly, it causes so much anxiety on our bodies. Like our bodies feel feel all the pressure from the parents. So this is why good communication and open communication and just constantly talking to the clients in a professional manner is so important. So our stress level stays down. And honestly, babies feel the impact, like they feel that stress. So like when we're, you know, like an example, when we're holding a baby, my fake doll, we're holding um, the baby, we tend to put them into the crook of our arm And when we're nervous or anxious, we tend to squeeze the baby's head, not intending to, but do it because our anxiety is so high. And then we're like, then we panic that we squeeze the baby too much. And we're like, oh my God. And I have driven home from my nanny jobs and been like, I was so frustrated with the kids and then felt such guilt overnight because I didn't get to say, I'm sorry. Or I didn't like, Mm. because you feel like even if the parents don't know and you got frustrated, and we all do right. Um, that, you know, you had that guilt hanging over you until the next morning and you know, the kids are like, I love you. Oh, you're back. I, you know, so just remember when you're anxious, the babies feel your heart rate go up. They feel your, your, the pain in your arms because your anger. So, and I teach this to clients, to parents, you know, that they have the same issues. Right. So it's um, best to just keep everything as open as possible with the clients and open communication. Like you said, texting them, letting them know what you're doing is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm also curious about if, if you are working for a family that the parents are like pretty adamant about, they do want you to rock the kid to sleep and then put them in the crib. Like, how do you, I know that you say you go in right away and set your expectations, which I think is the best method, but let's say for listeners that they're, they're already in the situation. They don't want to change jobs. Um, what would you advise around that? So education is the best thing you can do. So educate the parents behind the method they want to use, let them know you can totally do that, but that you, when you're gone, they have to do the same thing. 
Right. See, what, what happens is parents want one way and want, and then they want their, you know, what is it? What's the saying? They want their, their cake and they want to eat it too. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you do what you got to do as a nanny. Obviously the parents have a stricter method. They might be Montessori approach or they might be a military approach where it's like, do not go in that nursery. I've told you not to go in and your heart's going, I need to go in that baby's crying right. or they want you to hold the baby the entire time and your baby wearing, you know what? It's not your baby. It's their baby. So you do what you got to do. And if that's what they want and it doesn't fit or align with your thinking, you find another job, right? There will always be another nanny that's willing to do whatever the client wants. And if it doesn't align with what you want to do, or you're too tired to do it, then it's not a good fit anymore. Um, and nannies on average last about one year. And then we move on. And it's not necessarily like we're not getting along. It's just that we're, we like certain stages. Like maybe we like the older stage of clients or we like the younger baby stages. Um, but obviously we have to do what the client wants. This actually goes along with the lines with NCS too. We have to go along with the lines, um, what the family wants. But education is really imperative. Like you teach them, well, this is the method that you got to use on the weekend. If I'm using it, you got to do the same thing. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of variables. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm also curious if you are doing that transfer from arms to crib, uh, do you have any, like, I, I have one episode where I actually had a magician come on and talk about like sleight of hand around it. Um, yeah. Uh, so the key to actually getting the baby down, you can rock them to, you can rock them, but just know Dr. Sears, I'm not a fan a hundred percent, but I do agree with a lot of his philosophy. One of the things that I've learned in my research with sleep is that the way that the baby goes down is the way they expect to be handled when they wake up. Mm -hmm. So if you're rocking a baby to sleep and solidly to sleep and laying them down in the crib, um, then when they wake up and it could be five minutes later, or it could be 30 minutes later, they're going to expect you right there, picking them up and putting them back to sleep. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm putting a baby down to sleep, I'm putting them gently down. I'm not, I'm not rough. I'm not, you know, I'm very slow, but put them down. I leave my hand on their chest and I, sh I use a shisher app on my phone. Mm. And then when I get them down, I lower the volume of the shisher app and then turn it off and walk out. So you have things that you can do like sounds and patterns that are going to help the baby stay down um, and also cue them that it's time for a nap. So if you turn on the shisher app and then you turn it off after you've, you've got them down, that's a, that's a cue that it's nap time. So yeah. yeah, there's little techniques you can do, but just know that the pattern is what it is. If you're going to put them down solidly asleep, they're going to expect you right there when they wake up. That makes so much sense. And I had never thought about that before. So thank you very much of like, <laughs> yeah, the kids who get put down solidly asleep, usually when they wake up, their cries are like, where are you? <laughs> like, you know, the same goes for toddlers. If a parent is laying with them when they go to sleep, then, and they're not there when they wake up, they have a frantic feeling because the parent's not there to soothe them back to sleep. So you have to actually teach the toddler to go to sleep independently of you, not right next to you. And if you get that distance that further away, then the child's not going to wake up frantic because you weren't right there when they went to sleep anyways. It's really all patterns. Yeah. And how you have to train them. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I'm also curious about for older kids when they're, um, when we're, we're starting in that like nap dropping completely stage um, of like, how do you, how do you know when it's time? Like if, if they're signaling that they're starting to drop that nap early in life than you want them to like what can you do about that so it really comes down to is if they're sleeping at night mm -hmm. um so if they're sleeping solid at night and they're doing really good and their naps are getting shorter and shorter but they're still having a great schedule then you know that the you need to pivot and and take that that extra nap away or the one cue that i know from between okay so let's go back so 15 
So 12 to 15 months, and they're saying 18 months now, you should still have two naps a day. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of babies are ending that nap too early around 12 months and taking maybe a three hour afternoon nap, which to tell you the truth, I'm fine with. Like if they're gonna take a three hour nap in the afternoon, that gives me a huge break. And I'm like, fine. Like now a lot of clients will be upset because the client, the, the baby's taking such a long nap. What are you doing, right? So as a nanny, either you have to fill that time with laundry, clean up the house, vacuum, or, you know, because honestly, I, that's what I did. I always clean the house. I couldn't stand a dirty house as a nanny. I just right. made me feel good to clean. So you, you, you have to fill that time up or they're going to, they're going to say leave when that child goes down for a nap and they're like, we don't need you anymore. So your hours get cut and you're working less. Right. So look at it that way. But around 15 to 18 months is when we start to see that the child does not want to take that nap. And that means when you put them down, you've elongated to the next half hour and the baby is no longer wanting to sleep and you keep pushing it. And all of a sudden it's reached lunchtime. And now you're like, okay, now they're going to take a, I guess we're going to feed them and they'll take an afternoon nap. That's when you transition. Great. So it's just when that baby stops. Now, if they are waking multiple times a night and they're getting less sleep during the day, we have a huge problem. That's daytime and nighttime issues. So then we have to correct everything that's happening during the day and the nights. Yeah. So, and then you would just have to diagnose from there, yeah. right? Cause that yeah, can we be for figure out what's wrong with the schedule, why they're doing this, what they're eating. A lot of times also what I figured out and, and this is part of my training. Um, I, I actually wrote my training course on what I did wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write it so that it's like the perfect, you know, I'm perfect. Here's my course, blah, blah, blah. It was literally everything that went wrong on a job. You learn. One of the biggest things I had that happened with a toddler was that they were drinking too much milk and parents assume that children need a ton of milk still after they turn 12 months and they don't. So he was having 42 ounces of milk at two years old. Wow. Yeah. And he was wired out the wazoo, literally jumping all over the place, screaming, would not take a stroller nap anymore. Like it was chaos. Mom was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And as soon as I asked her, I'm like, what? I'm like for six months, I worked with this client and I was so fed up. I was like, what is going on? And she was like, I said, does he drink a lot of milk? Just randomly asked. And she's like, well, about 42 ounces. And I'm like, are you joking? I'm like, okay, he's going to six ounces. She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, six ounces. I cut him completely off. We put him on water and six ounces of milk. And that was it. And he slept 13 hours and he took his two nap. He took a nap, like two hour nap in the afternoon. And from that point on, he was perfect. So yeah, looking at the bigger picture, food is huge with toddlers, lots of processed cheese, chicken nuggets, like they're all bad. I mean, my kids ate it too. They still eat chicken nuggets. They're 20 years old, but it's not good for them. So if we have a child that's really suffering and not sleeping and is miserable, we look at the food first as a toddler. Then I adjust that. Then I look at the sleep patterns. Then I look at the schedule. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And yeah, that that's so funny. The like, how much milk is he drinking? It's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Because he wasn't eating either. He had no food. He wasn't eating. He was just drinking, 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 drinking. Right. Right. So his blood sugar was way too high. He had an empty stomach. It was just, it was chaos. So yeah. Way to figure that out. Um, yeah. So for um nannies who are like, huh, I'm hearing you talk about this. And like, this is an area that I'm interested in, but they aren't certified yet. Like how can a nanny go about starting to their own NCS journey? Well, if you're looking to become an NCS, you definitely will look at all the programs. Um, I have one that I'm developing. I have not finished it. So I'm not even, it's, it's going to be there, but it's probably going to be April. Um, but you want to look, it doesn't, you have to take something. You need to take some program. Just, it doesn't matter at this point. Just get the foundations, get that, get that education. And then the best thing to do is network. Networking is the, the key to this industry. Um, but I did, I do have a group that they can join. Any of them can join if who's listening. 
And I teach in that group. Um, it's an educational group. I don't allow any bashing. Um, if we do have a harsh conversation, it's corrected or fixed. We don't allow any kind of, I'm very strict in my group yeah. because I want it to be a positive group. Um, but I do teach how to be an NCS in my sleep course, actually. I kind of wrote everything backwards. So I, I actually was really sick. So when I wrote my program, I was losing memory because of illness. And oh, so yeah. I was writing everything down. So my husband could sell my book one day if I died, I was like, okay, I'm going to die. So we don't know why here's my book, make some money. And then it realized it was a really good course. So I actually teach you in my training, how to work overnights. See a lot of these courses out there, they, they give you the foundations, which is great, but they don't teach you how to walk in the home and, and talk to the client in the door. I teach right. you that. So my course is a little different, more extensive. Um, and honestly, NCSs should know everything about sleep because that's our job. Right. So that's what I teach. Um, but I am trying to find the, I am trying to find the time to write the NCS course because it needs to be set. There needs to be a foundation and then everyone can take everything from me. And, you know, it's my way of teaching. So all under one umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. If, if a nanny is listening and they're like, huh, like my kiddo or kiddos is having a lot of trouble sleeping. What are some like signs that it might be time to encourage the parents to bring in like a sleep consultant or, you know, like what are signs that it's outside of the nanny's educational level on this subject? Honestly, as soon as possible. As soon as you feel like the, the missing link, you feel something's missing and it could be three month old, six month old, four month old, doesn't matter, or a two year old, you want to get somebody in there because we look at the bigger picture. Right. And then like, I always, um, like I have other NCSs and nannies come to me with their clients on zoom and I like meet all of them and I'm educating them at the same time. And and that's okay. That's fine. That's what I do because the nannies and the parents are a team. They need to be on the same page. So I always do calls together. Um, and it, it does help me and them. So everyone knows what we're talking about. And I, I do offer to educate the nannies when I do consulting. Yeah, that's wonderful. And yeah, I've had some different, you know, uh, a therapist on and, and all of that and talking about how important it is to like include the nanny in those like child facing, uh, educational spaces of like, yeah, if the parents are changing, yeah, Yeah. how they're going to do something, the nanny should also be involved. So I think that that's wonderful. One of the biggest things that we can do is advocate for our children. And if you're the nanny, you need to advocate for your child, for those children. I mean, there's, Lots of situations I've been in with parents and I just look at them and I'm like, this is, we need physical therapy or we need a chiropractor or there's a physical issue that I cannot resolve and, or a temperamental issue where we need an evaluation from a psychologist or something like, there's just a lot of things that can be happening and you should never be in a home where you feel like there's being harmed to the child or kind of any situation because we're their advocates. So I've had to turn parents in before also, and that is no fun at all. But this is the great thing about being in this field is that we are, we love what we do. We love our children. We love our parents. In most cases, we have great clients. Um, Very rare do we have a client we don't mesh with. with, And if not, we just quit because it's not a good fit. Right. I'd rather quit than be fired. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also, before we started recording, you talked about how like sometimes like the sleep consultants stay too long or like that there there's like a sweet spot window of like, get in, get out that, you know, nanny McPhee style of like, I'm, I'm going to (laughs) go. Exactly. So a lot of NCSs, uh, can have chosen to stay longer because the parents method of parenting is longer. So they'll stay like six months. But in most cases with an NCS, we are really there only a very short time. So if you're working an NCS job, it's usually six weeks or 12 weeks, and then you're out. Um, If you're staying like through six months, 
that's on the preferable parent side because they just don't want the responsibility of the baby overnight. Um, and you're going to go through all those transitions, like out of the swaddle, rolling, like all the things that happen um, where they start to, they have knee cluster feeds at night. So they start waking more and you got to adjust the daytime feeds to fit that. It's, which is fine. You can work six months, but I typically do not want to go through all that. I'm like, I'm in, I'm out. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're like, I'm setting you up for success. And then I am moving on. <laughs> yeah. So here's, so let me show you what to do. This is the steps to take. And a lot of times this is where consulting comes in. Um, we will go in as an NCS and then we leave as a consultant because they're actually going to call you and consult with you afterwards. Um, and that's totally fine. That's part of the job. Yeah. So then during those transitions, instead of you like having been there the whole time, you can be like, here, this is, you know, yeah, here's the next phase. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes a lot of sense. Um, For that, like you mentioned earlier about um, setting up nap, like that nap is not just like when they're asleep, that it's, it's the period before they go to sleep. And then also I think a little bit after they wake up, can you talk a little bit about like how to set up successfully for nap? What age group? Uh, let's do, let's go through several. Cause I, you know, nannies <laughs> are with several <laughs> age groups. Okay. Well, there's a lot of like what needs to happen before a nap is playtime really. So you want to make sure they're well-fed. If you have a baby that's only taking two to three ounces, they're not well-fed, they're going to snack. And so a lot of times nannies will give an ounce or two or parents, this is not just a nanny issue. Parents will give uh, a bottle before they go and take a nap thinking that the nap will be longer because they're fed, but actually that's not true because they'll start taking less and less ounces when they should be eating. So they snack. So the pattern should be feed, at least, you know, whatever the baby size is, let's say 12 pounds, take a four ounce bottle. And then that should be done within 30 minutes, that bottle. Uh, if not, and you need to get the bigger size up on the nipple size of the bottle because mm. they could be taking too long. The rest of that hour before their nap, let's say it's a um, three month old, they need to be playing on the floor. They need to literally be on the floor working out like little exercise babies get them rolling, get them looking, get them playing, grabbing, interacting. You can carry them around, look at the window, the light, like just, they need to be doing something to burn energy so that when they do take their naps and you take them to their room, they will roll around and get comfortable and go to sleep. Yeah. So that's little. And then of course, when they're six months, same, same thing, they're going to have an hour and a half to two hours of playtime, get them wore out, make sure they're eating well stick to the nap time, put them down. And that's your whole day. Yeah. Your whole day is a pattern. So even if they're like 12 months, let's say they're 12 months. And so they're up for three to three and a half hours, maybe four hours. And it's all playtime. Wear those babies out, get them down for that hour and a half, hour and a half nap, and then back up to play, eat, and then back down. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I, I find that, um, Cause I have, I'm working with an 18 month old and then I have a, um, four year old that is also around during that time. And he's almost five. He's no longer napping. Um, but we do like quiet time, you know? So like I set up older kiddo for quiet time and like get him cozy with a book and, and all of that or several books. And then, you know, take little guy upstairs to like start with the nap, but the, but the space that I have created and setting up older brother, um, also helps little one know like, Oh, now it's about to be nap time. Cause we're doing all of these things. Yep. It's really all about patterns. And yeah. if you, if it's predictable patterns, so if you make it predictable, the children are just going to do it. If it's every day is different, which is a lot of the problems parents have that they're not consistent when they wake up for the day, they're not consistent when they feed them, then the children are in chaos. So as nannies, that's your job is to bring consistency and follow through for your daytime routine. So if you do that, then yeah, it may be monotonous because that's life, but actually that's exactly what you should be doing. Those kids need to have a pattern. It's just like going to school every day from seven to eight, you come in, 
you talk and you sit down at your desks and from eight to nine, we do, sec, you know, social studies from nine to, we do math, we do, you know, so if you start that when they're babies, then when they get to school, it just continues what you've already taught them. Right. Yes, totally. Um, yeah, actually the other day, my little one goes, Baba, Passy, sleep sack. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> You're ready. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's <laughs> like, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Those are the things we need. Um, it was really cute. So um, great. Is there anything that you feel like we didn't get to talk about that you were really hoping that we would talk about today? I mean, honestly, if you want to learn more about me, you can definitely check me out on my website. You can also go uh, and join my group and get to know me there. Um, it's a professional sleep consultant and newborn care specialist group. And you're welcome to join as a nanny. I'm in um, it and it's fabulous. It's a really great group to be a part of. So yeah, I try, I try to keep it pretty healthy in there. Um, the other thing is just to remember to don't stick out with jobs that are not going to go any further than what, you know, pick your jobs. Don't be stuck in a rut or be just stressed out because your stress comes along with the job. So if your job is stressful, then it's time to move on and be happy again. Um, and the other thing is, is like, there's enough families out there that need good nannies. So practice, take your education, get, edu get educated, become that professional nanny if that's the field you're going into and just love on your children. I loved every stage of every, my, I loved all my kids. Like I loved all my nanny kids. I love everything about toddlers and babies and my school age kids. I mean, I don't know. I never had a, never had a child I didn't like. Well, that's not true. There was one child I, I really didn't like, but that was because we butted heads, but you know, sometimes we have those clients and you're like, uh, why did we just don't mesh. Yeah. And that's, you know, you've got to let it go. You're like, I'm going on to another family because this isn't going to work for me. But in most cases, um, we, uh, we get along with our families and it's good. So, yeah, that's really great advice. And I do agree, I, especially right now, like with the way the world is, nannies are in really high demand. So yeah. Know your worth. I, and I'm sure that uh, NCSs are also in extremely high demand. So know your yeah. worth. And if it's not, yeah, if it's stressing you out, that impacts the kids in a negative way. So I agree. Um, you know, obviously try to work it out, try to communicate as much as you can. Those are the first lines of defense. But yeah. um, if you're feeling like you're up against a brick wall, then- yeah. Time to move on and not to feel stressed about it. I mean, honestly, we want to have less, less, we want as little stress as possible in our life because when it comes down to adult sleep, our dreams, <laughs> when I researched sleep for my program, I looked up dreams and dreams are a fact of real life. So if we're under a lot of stress and you feel like you're getting attacked in a dream, it's because the stress level is so high in your own personal life. Mm. So look at your dreams, look at how you sleep, your patterns, and your stress level. And if it's just not worth it, why stick it out? Yeah. Yeah. That also just reminded me of like, I noticed, uh, with nanny families where they have wanted me to like rock the child to sleep. Um, I usually will be listening to something like on my little earbuds while I do it. And depending on what I'm listening to, like dictates how the nap goes. Like if I'm listening to, you know, news <laughs> in this really stressful news time. Um, I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that while I'm rocking them to sleep. I need to be listening to like soothing music or like, you know, something that is light and, and funny. I now listen to a lot of like YA novels of like, yeah, you know, the stakes are somewhat low, although there are YA novels that the stakes are very high, but I choose the ones where the, the stakes are pretty low and, um, and it's all good. So I have this funny story to end with, cause I'm going to have to head out to another, yeah. for another meeting. But one of, one of the cases I had, I worked 24 hours for a family and as an NCS, you get the opportunity to work 24 hours and you get paid quite a bit of money to do this. And I flew to um, Atlanta for a job. 
And the client gave me permission to talk about this because it was absolutely ridiculous. So I was there for two weeks and we agreed I would be there two weeks, then go home for four days and then come back for two weeks. And I did this for eight weeks. So they were driving me to the airport where we had to pick our seven-year-old up from school. Well, the seven-year-old was very jealous of the baby and especially jealous of me because I was giving all my time to the baby. And even though I wasn't there for her, she wanted me completely to herself. So she was very upset all the time. So I, I just was like on, we picked her up from school and she jumps in the car and her mom's like, okay, we got to drop somewhere off at the airport. And she's like, well, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go pee. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to wait. And the airport is literally 20 minutes away. So, and my flight was going to be late. And you know, when you're, when you're with the family, you're ready to get home. You're ready to go home. Like, okay, I have been here 24 hours for like two weeks. I'm ready to go home with my kids. So She's like, I'm going to pee my pants. And I was like, if you're going to pee your pants and put a diaper on because I'm not. And she goes, well, if I put a diaper on, you're going to have to change my diaper. And I looked at her, I was like, are you joking? And she put a diaper on a size one and peed in it. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe her mom's like, what is going on? I'm literally arguing with a seven-year-old who literally did exactly what she said she was going to do. And then she's like, you can change me now. And I'm like, no, you get to sit in it and you get to enjoy it. And I'm like, I am not changing. <laughs> the mom's like, oh my God, you two are so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. That's so oh, funny. She told her daughter, Summer's writing a book and you're going in it. And I was like, you're <laughs> absolutely right. You are in my, you are in my stories. <laughs> and she knows it too. She's now like 14. I'm oh like, my gosh <laughs> that's so funny thank you for sharing that that is hilarious I love when kids are like yeah challenge accepted I will do that <laughs> ridiculous thing you just said <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you are so stubborn I was so mad at her I'm like well your mom can change your diaper like I hopped out of the car and I was like <sighs> you're like I'm ready to be I'm like 34 years old arguing with a seven-year-old I'm like I am too old for this <laughs> amazing well summer thank you so much i really appreciate you taking this time no problem thank you for having me on i really appreciate it and everyone please go check out all of the links down in the show notes um so that you can learn more about summer and join that facebook group because it's really a great place to be and thank you all for listening see you next week the chronicles of nania is produced and hosted by martha tyler artwork by noni blastodon Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. 